May all grace, mercy, and peace come to you from, from our great Redeemer and from our risen Savior. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson today from Job 19 serves as the focus for a brief few moments here this afternoon. Sometime during the 30-year war back in the 1600s that there was a, a German Lutheran pastor by the name of Paulus Gerhardt. And Paulus and his wife were, and their family were driven out of their village, had to flee their home because of the dangers of the war. And one night they were residing in a small village in somewhere else, afraid, alone, and homeless, when Gerhardt's wife broke down in tears, in utter desperation. Gerhardt did the best he could to comfort his wife. He reminded her of the scriptural promises of God's providence and whatnot and, and, and did the best he could to console her. And when he was done, he got up and walked out the side door out into the garden that was attached to the village inn where he got down on his knees and all of his emotions came flooding in. For Gerhardt, he found himself in that moment in time at his darkest hour. And after he had exhausted all of his emotions and, and, and was exhausted himself, he began to feel the presence of the Lord. So he reached for a pen and some paper, and he wrote down a hymn that has brought comfort to many people throughout the years. The name of the hymn is called, Give to the Winds Thy Fears. Now, I'm not going to sing these verses because I can't sing, and I'm going to spare you. <laughs> but uh, here are some of the words of these verses in this hymn that he wrote down. Hope and be undismayed. God hears thy sighs and counts thy tears. God shall lift up thy head. Through waves and clouds and storms, he gently clears the way. Wait thou his time. So shall the night soon end in joyous day. Let us in life and death thy steadfast truth declare and publish with thy last breath thy love and guardian care. This hymn was in a way for Pastor Gerhard a battle cry. If you know what a battle cry is, it's, uh, it's one of those moments in time where the soldiers stand up and they're given a large shout and what they believe. And then it's also a shout to, to let, let the uh, enemy know that they're coming for him in victory and that they're going to scare him off. And for him, this was a battle cry. You know, he speaks of hope and comfort found in the Lord's presence. He speaks of publishing God's love and his guardian care. And it's often in our darkest times that God makes his presence most clearly known. He uses our sufferings and our troubles oftentimes uh, to show us that he is the only source of strength and hope in our lives. And it's in our darkest times, my friends, that we need a battle cry, much like Gerhardt's, uh, one that invokes the comfort and the providence and the hope of God. And just as this hymn that by Pastor Gerhardt was about a cry, so was a cry from Job himself, one that inspired the famous hymn that we just sung a, a few moments ago, I Know That My Redeemer Lives by Samuel Medley. It's in Job's darkest hour that he issues his battle cry. Job, who's a faithful servant of God, who had everything and now finds himself sitting in ashes, having lost his possessions and his servants and land, Job, who has had it out with his friends and with God, blaming first his friends, then blaming God, and then blaming God some more. And the same Job now cries out, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. 
And many Christians through the years, I know I have, have cried out that very same verse. I know that my Redeemer lives. It's as a witness to the resurrection of Jesus. But in the case of Job, Job, historically speaking, isn't proclaiming the resurrection. He's proclaiming it for a different reason. And it's mainly because back in in Job's day, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't know about the resurrection yet. Even Job himself spoke earlier in, in the book of Job about what happens to the human body. He says, For there is hope for a tree, if it's cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its shoots will not cease. But mortals die and laid low, and humans expire, and here they are. As waters from a lake and and a river wastes away and dries up, so mortals lie down and do not rise up again. So here's Job amidst all of his troubles, having it out with God, thinking that his only hope is vindication during this life. And so then, what's with this battle cry if if he's not talking about resurrection in the way that we do today? It certainly stands out and is interesting, especially since Job has lost his family and wealth. He's accused by his so-called friends. He's covered in boils. He's sitting in the depths of despair, and he's wishing for death. And his family and friends have abandoned him. And worse, this God that he's faithfully served through in his entire life has seemingly turned against him, seeking to destroy him. And yet, here he is, Job proclaiming, my Redeemer lives. The same Job who, who just got done accusing God of destroying. Yeah, you know, here, here's Job. He's clinging to God with one hand and shaking an angry fist at God with the other one. Remind you of anybody? Maybe our own lives sometimes. But you know, here's what it is. Job, Job clings to God and shakes his fist at the same time. You know, and that's the paradox of faith. But God won't, you know, God won't give up on Job. And Job won't give up on God either through it all. And, and it's amidst all of this, his refusal to give up on God and God's refusal to give up on Job, that he finds this inexplicable hope in his condition. Job's battle cry, then, is not one that's, that's espousing the resurrection. It's one that's espousing advocacy. You know, Redeemer here is one of advocate, one who will stand up and vindicate Job. And it's in Job's darkest hour that God makes his presence most clearly known. And that's what God does. He uses our troubles. He uses our suffering to show us that he is our only source of strength and hope. And now that Job sees this new truth, he experiences it himself. He's got a renewed confidence. And furthermore, if you, you were listening to the reading, he really wants to write this event down. Look at the language he uses. He wants to carve it and engrave it in stone, use an iron pen with lead, write down his account. Um, you know, I'm wondering, you know, if he doesn't want it written down so others can see what he went through and see also how God brought him out of it. I'm also wondering if he didn't write it down for his own purposes as to say, if I ever encounter a dark time again, I'm going to look back on this moment so I don't forget it and saw exactly how God brought me out and made me stronger. And if you know anything about Job, in the end, he is vindicated. His story goes from one from despair to hope, from destruction to restored. And as God restored him, he went on, Job himself, choosing to live again. He and his wife have more children, and life is good. And so while his battle cry of, I know that my Redeemer lives, doesn't espouse the resurrection, theology. 
his story itself participates in the biblical movement towards the resurrection. And in fact, the Septuagint, the ones who wrote the Bible and translated all the books, actually added this footnote at the end of Job when they translated. He said, and Job died old and full of days. And it is written that he will rise up again with those whom the Lord raises up. Perhaps you remember a time in your own life uh, when it was your darkest hour. I know I do. When that long ago, I remember thinking to myself in the midst of that darkest hour, after I've exhausted all of my emotions, after I shook my angry fist at God and clung to him you know, with one hand and clung to him with the other, I, I wondered to myself, I said, where will I be tomorrow? I wonder where will I be a year from now or, or 10 years from now? And then when, he, when he, he brought me out of it, I began to experience the presence of God. I, I experienced it right in the midst of all those dark times, but I most certainly looked back on it and I went, wow. Wow, God really brought me out of that when I had no other hope. And now when I enter a dark time in my life, I go into it with confidence and hope that God will bring me out of it just as he did all those years ago. And you know, I might encourage each and every one of us to write down those dark times in our lives. Journal about them and journal about how God has brought you through them and continues to bring them through. Maybe to share stories with other people that you witness to and, and maybe just for your own benefit of looking back when you enter a dark time to say, God's got this. God's not dead. God hasn't abandoned me. God hasn't, hasn't turned against me, but he's using this and he's bringing me out of it. And so, you know what? Here we are today against the backdrop of a cold, dark, empty tomb, living in a world that surrounds us with trials and temptations and violence and hatred and all kinds of other evil things. And perhaps some of us here today are sitting amidst our own dark hours. But know this, that as we stare together into that cold, dark, empty tomb, we're staring into an empty space not because Jesus is dead, not because Jesus' body was stolen, not because God has turned against us or abandoned us, we stare into this empty tomb because Jesus is standing with us, alive and well, and advocating for us on a daily basis. This Jesus, who was abandoned by disciples, beaten and whipped and spat upon and hung on a cross, and seemingly forsaken by his own Father. This Jesus has redeemed us. He's standing with us, inviting us to toss our troubles into that darkened tomb, to be buried in the darkness, and to rise up for us to rise up with him as he's risen up. Rise up in his hope. And he calls us into relationship with him and invites us to dine at his table and spend time in his word. And he promises never to ever leave us. So Jesus rose again on the third day and he descended into hell with a battle cry of his own, proclaiming victory over death, devil, and sin. This is the kind of advocate we have, my friends. And yeah, we're here today against the backdrop of a cold, dark, empty tomb surrounded by these trials and temptations and darkness. But we're here today standing and peering into the emptiness as a people redeemed. We're here today as a people redeemed, vindicated through Christ. And our stories, the things that happen to us in our lives, are a part of the ongoing resurrection story. And it's with that hope and confidence that today, no matter what you or I are facing in life, we can raise our hands in the air, just as Job did with that great battle cry, and say with confidence, I know that my Redeemer lives. And to God be all the glory. Amen.